Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with day jobs. We're so glad to be back here at the Comic Strip Live with another episode of our brilliant, brilliant podcast. It's brilliant, right? It's fucking genius. It's fucking genius. I really um, was going to try not to drop the F-bomb on the show No, anymore. we already did. We both did. Anyway, do us a favor, please, as you're listening, after you're listening, please like, subscribe, share, review this episode because it really helps us get the word out to the masses. Please also, like I said, give us a review. They're so important. Please just go online or tell your friends or scream it out the window. We love this show. Uh, but go on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, any of those places. Give us a review. You've been doing it already. We've seen them. We love them. Thank you so, so much. And like we said, it just helps us raise uh, rise, rise, rise higher on the listings and the directories. And you clearly are not out. looking at the directories or the listings because we're not rising. Hey, we anywhere. went up like two <laughs> spots on like 10,000 lists, yeah, so we're yeah, doing yeah. pretty good. Okay, we're doing pretty right. good. Well, remember, even though this show was born out of Josh and my own personal frustrations, we are here to serve up inspiration by telling interesting stories um, from people we know, essentially, and some other people that we're lucky to kind of know. Right, as we pursue our dream jobs. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm straying from the script, Josh. All right. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes your idea of your dream job, even since we started doing this, is just like gone out the window, come back, circled around, then it changes? Oh, but what is my dream job? I don't know. Like I, my dream job was. Like, I'm dreaming now just to have a job at this point. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like at first it was like sitcom actor, and now it's like fry guy at McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. No, okay. No, hi, no. hi, Brianna. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm fine. How What's are going you? on this week? Job search. Um, I, you know, I'm really not interested in talking about that. Really? I'm reading a really good book though about okay. this mafia guy. Right. What's his name? Um, Gianni Russo, I mm-hmm. believe it was. Uh, he was in the Godfather movies, Who is and he? he has a crazy life. Who was he in Godfather? He was the the brother-in-law that was married to Talia Shire's character that oh. um they kicked that James Conn beat the hell out of. Right. Who then sells him out and he's the one that Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his killed. life, I mean from living at Bellevue in the polio ward as a child to claiming he had affairs with, you know, Marilyn Monroe and I mean, he saw JFK Snorting cocaine off of an actress's ass and va- like his stories are insane and wow. it's like a quick easy read. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. what, you know, I spend my time reading. These and days. when is he coming on the podcast? Um, he, I believe he has his own podcast. Oh, does he really? Yeah. So, so are we going on his? No, it, the question is, can I get a job in the mafia? Because uh, that's, you know, it do like... you feel like the longer we do this without jobs, I don't know if it's like sadder or, uh, cooler. I, I just keep telling people, look for my GoFundMe because <laughs> it's coming. I have a job story for this one. Good. Week. All right. Tell so, me. I, um, Someone sent me an email about a voiceover job on Craigslist, you know, which is always, you know, sketch. 50-50 sketch at yeah. the most. But I uh, I applied. I wrote back. And the guy was writing to me, but it was like kind of broken English. But I was going with it, you know, okay. And he gave me like a whole breakdown of what the job was going to be and yada, yada. And then he started getting into the payment. He's like, this is how I do it. I pay you up front a certain amount. And then at the day of the shoot, I'll pay you the rest. And I was like, all right, that's good, you know. So then he's like, I need all this information from you, right? He had my Credit name. He had number, my, not that. No, that's what, if it was number. that, I would have been like, this is clearly like a, yeah. a scam, right? But he only wanted like name, email, I'm sorry, uh, name, phone number, mailing address. And I was like, you know, he's got my name. He's got my email. He's got my phone number. Does he need my mailing address? So I wrote back and I was like, if you want to do like PayPal, you want to pay me that way first and then pay me later, that's totally fine. He was writing me these long emails. Please confirm immediately you're doing this. As soon as I said, pay me PayPal, I haven't heard from him in a week. What, what do you think this was? I, I think I read later that there are these scams out there that uh, they send you a check, which you think, you're right, looks legit. Okay, I'm going to go cash this $500 check. You go to the bank. It's a fraudulent check. It goes through because they can't tell but then later when the bank realizes that the whole thing was like not an actual check 
you're the one that gets penalized for it. But where do they win? I'm not even sure, but they were like very specific to be like, don't just cash checks from these random people yeah, like yeah. that. So like here I am going like, oh, here's a great payday for a voiceover job and Craigslist can yeah, go fuck Craigslist themselves. Craigslist is sketch. <laughs> it's sketch. Anyway. Anyway, let's um, talk let's to our guest. Let's focus on our guest. Um, our guest today comes from my friend circle uh, um, from a past uh, job. So we have an XPR. PR? Yes, Marissa Cabas. Did I say Cabas? It's Cabas. 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 See, I always called you Marissa. I yeah. never had a reason to it's say your last name. Yeah. Has, but we worked together eight years ago. I can't believe that. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> but Marissa, I have watched since we parted ways, just her career really, you know, change up from the name of the show, From Peanut Butter to Politics. So that's the name of Which our show today. Which you're going to have to explain that, Peanut yes, Butter to Politics. Yes, yes. Well, we did PR for Peanut Butter. That's, oh, yes. that makes sense. And, and now she's a she's getting up there with her voice in the world of politics. Um, just having had an article in the Washington Post, and she's crazy popular on Twitter. Um, so let's welcome. Yeah. Welcome, Marissa. Welcome, hey. Marissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. <laughs> At the Comic <laughs> like, Strip Live Like the booth studios. here, Comic yes. Strip Live. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like we're in the, the presence of legends. Thank, thank you for saying Outside that. Of Josh and I. Yes. <laughs> no, I meant the framed pictures oh, on the wall. Sorry. <laughs> we both performed on that stage. Right. Maybe uh, that's not... it. They don't put our picture yeah, on the yeah. wall. My well, Ella was here, and she was like, "Mommy, why isn't your picture on the wall?" I'm like, "Oh, sweet girl." <laughs> <laughs> so much to it learn. So much to know. Um, so anyway, Marissa, we do kind of a first few questions to kick it off. Mm-hmm. The first one being, "What is your current job title?" So my current job title, uh, I am the Editorial Campaigns Director at Purpose, and Purpose is a company that does, um, it's really a creative agency, but it does social impact work, so we work with nonprofits or big companies that are trying to do some good in the world, and we also do some issue-based campaigning around climate change and voting rights and all that good stuff. Marissa, I think you need to hire me or get someone to (laughs) hire me. That's the world I'm looking to work in. Let's talk. Yes. Okay. Um, But the next is- I would be paying it. Backwards, forwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was a good boss. That's she was. She was um, a great boss. It, and you would be an even better employee. Yes, look at I can get my own personal reference right now. Yes, exactly. When we were working together, Fifty Shades of Grey was all the rage. And we talked about it in every meeting. Yes. Really? <laughs> Totally I, started, see I started a book club. <laughs> I could see you monopolizing meeting time like that. But I made meetings that. fun. Yes. I did. Right. Anyway. Is that why you had to leave the company? Because you were like, so no. what we did last night from that no, book. No, I had my boss reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, yeah. yeah, it was. she was persuasive. Yes, I was. <laughs> I'm the guy that if I were to even mention that book at a meeting, they would fire me immediately. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's being perverted. <laughs> well, now. it was Double you know. standards, am I right? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> fucking me too <laughs> shit. Um, okay, so dream career. Would you say... Th- this is where you are right now or is there a dream that you're working towards or a dream that you that you had as a younger person and so wanted my, i went to journalism school for college and when i graduated it was height of financial crisis and websites had no idea how to make money they still have no idea how to make money but print was dying it was a horrible time so that's sort of how i ended up in pr but mm-hmm. my dream was to be a writer at new york magazine um, I feel like any aspiring writer growing up in New York, that's the thing. Right. And that's changed a lot since then. That's not my dream job anymore. So I, I feel like it's almost good to have a moving target. Because if you have this one thing that you're chasing your whole life and then you can't get it, you feel like you've failed. But when you're willing to adapt to what evolve. your dream is, yeah, evolve and kind of look at what's in front of you, look at the realities of the job market and the world and right commerce (laughs) capitalism um it's um you have to be a little bit nimble so right now my dream that i'm working towards um i don't i mean i'm i'm happy where i am um hello purpose if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) but um 2020 is coming up the 2020 election and i'm really excited about the possibilities there so marissa in the evolving space have you always been um, interested in politics or did that evolve Yes. So I have always been interested in politics. Um, When I was a senior in high school, it was the 2004 presidential election. And I was the editor of my high school newspaper. And I said, we have to do a special election issue. 
and no one else cared. (laughs) Everyone was like, who cares? We're not old enough to vote. And I'm like, Okay. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Right, yeah. but like, getting there. I didn't care back then, though. I can't pretend I didn't really care till about 2000, and I was 28 at the time. So. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was a different different time. The internet was not what it was now, so people didn't know every single headline. Mm-hmm. So, but I was watching The Daily Show every single night. Like my parents and I, every night without fail, watching John Stewart, hanging on every word. Right. So I wanted to be a writer, and then I had this huge political interest, so I was um, phone banking from my house for John Kerry when I was 17 years <laughs> wow. old, and I put out this special election issue all by myself and paid to have it printed because the school wouldn't do it. Wow. And um, I did a, a mock election of the student body, of who they would Ooh. vote for. I had kids for Kerry on my backpack, and all these <laughs> assholes were like, kids can't vote. I'm like, Oh, really? Tell me more. Tell me more. about how I, I didn't know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I was really popular in high school. But I, I feel like, is that an only child thing? Because I feel like you were really close with your parents who probably were very political. Mm-hmm. And it, it was something that you heard conversations and became interested. I was one of four kids. I over, didn't care. I didn't hear it. But I, I, I have so. an only child. Yes. And we were watching Legally Blonde 2 the other night. And she looked at me as seen on Capitol Hill, and she goes, Mommy, look at all of those white men. <laughs> I was like, really? I love my girl. Oh, you raised her right. I did. <laughs> I did indeed. But sorry, we one more question. I, I, before we get to that question, maybe touch on this as we're going on uh, throughout the, the talk today. Um, what... What is it going to take to get young people, besides the internet, you know, how do we get them excited about voting and politics in general? Because the truth of the matter is, is you graduate high school, you are 18, you can vote. And, and like I saw this meme the other day, and it was like, the things they don't teach you in high school is right. anything about voting, politics, things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. I feel like our civics in, in school are failing all of our young people. And you know what's funny? When I, I remember, right, as I got, I, Reagan is what, 80... When was he was elected in 80. 80 and then, and then 84. 84. Okay, so when was Dukakis? Like 84 too? 88. He was 8. No, du- against du- Bush? Du- no. Yeah, yeah, Dukakis was Bush. Dukakis was Bush. So yeah. some, somewhere in that range, I remember when... Mondale so, was Reagan. So and... I was about like 10, 11 years old. I remember being in school and them doing a whole thing on this and giving us the candidates and giving us the issues. I'm what, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, something like that, and... I mean, if I'm 10, then I was probably first. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, like I remember them talking about it. And I remember distinctly having an interest in in the fact of like what an election and understanding it and then not yeah. talking about it again until college. Yeah. we. So I remember the 2000 election, the whole hanging chads mm-hmm. and, and the controversy, Gore versus Bush. And we talked a lot about that in school, but we actually hadn't been given a good foundation about elections. So I think a lot of people didn't even fully understand the gravity of the situation. So um, you're absolutely right. I, I don't think that kids are being taught in like the right way, just the nuts and bolts of not just elections, but how our government works, how a bill becomes a law. I mean, the real basics... <laughs> that they need to understand. So, but I don't know if that's what's going to get people, young people to vote. I think the object is to actually speak to them. And I don't mean like use cool slang and like be like, I'm hip fellow kids, but really talk about the issues that actually matter to them. So um, student debt loans, like absolving student debt and the job market. Gun violence. Gun I mean, violence. That is, that's inspiring a lot. Of of, ki- of kids to become Today more active. What about framing it within their world? Do you think if you if politics were more a part of their high school experience, so you know requiring them to vote the same way you require them uh, on things that uh, pertain to their schooling, right? That change year to year or could change every two years, for example. So like right? voting for the budget or the, things like, like that. things that affect them. Mm-hmm. Other than I'm going to run for president and get a Coke machine in here, you know, Pepsi right. machine. Like some things that per. I mean. It, Involving them in things that oh, they can see change. Democratizing their school. Right. Yeah. In, in small, manageable Yeah, ways. because they're used to just living in these institutions and letting people at the top mm-hmm. take care of everything. And so the government is the same thing. They go out into the world and it's being run by people who are older than them, who are they're told are smarter than them and know better. And then everyone reaches a certain point where they're like, wait. They're just people like right. us, and most of them are not that smart. But I think that, too, goes to schooling. Like, the 
the countries where they let children be free thinkers and and do art and and not so regimented like science, math, math, math. I mean, that starts to they don't think as freely. And what they need to do is be able to open their minds. And they're so like put on this path. And then they often like I did. My mom was a Republican, so. I just assume that's what I should be, and right. I didn't right. really until even in college. I voted in '92 for Bush. I did not vote for Clinton. What? Yes, yeah. yes. But here, just to microcosm it a little bit, like this morning, I'm having an argument with my five-year-old daughter, you know, about putting something on her bag, the school that's going to break, which I know is going to break, and I'm trying to just be like, "This is what you're going to do," and she's crying, and I'm demanding, and it's not going anywhere. So it got to the point where I was like. Okay, you're going to make a choice right now. Either this is going to have you're going to put it on and if it breaks, you're not going to lie about it, you're going to tell me or it's going you're going to pull it from a different spot. You know, it was whatever it was. The point was is that I was giving her I was talking to her about I I resolved myself in that moment to not just put on her what I wanted because her to do. Because it's wrong. Yeah. Okay, you make a choice and the consequences are something you're going to accept. Do you agree? And it, like the whole argument went away, the whole everything, tears went away, and she was like, to, and I went to her at school, what are you going to do? I'm pulling by this thing. Okay, if you pull by the other piece of it, it's going to break. Yes, good, bye. Well, you're going to have to let us know what happens. I will, but, and she's going to break <laughs> it. It's inevitable, you know, but the point is, is choice and, and effective, you know, result from that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the system is so rigid and having a two-party system doesn't really make young people feel like they have much choice in the matter. Well, there's not much of a difference between the two parties outside of social issues. I mean, it's, you know, we have people on the left who are really close to the center and we have, you know. Well, there's two parties technically, but within them, there's a lot of variation, but it feels probably really limiting to a young person. Like they, they turn 18 and they have to decide, am I a Republican or am I a Democrat? And they're like, well, I don't know. And that's why more, a greater proportion of young people are registering as independents. Which screws you because when the primaries come, as I learned, because I was an independent, I couldn't vote. Right. If, well, some states you can, but in New York here. you can't. We have closed primaries. Yeah. You have to be one or the other. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you want to have your voice heard, you have to make one of these really rigid choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So one question going back is since the name of the show is Jobs Blow, we like to ask about a job that you had that blew. Now, it doesn't have to be like the whole job. It could be a moment in mm-hmm. a job when you're like, my life sucks. <laughs> Do you have one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was I there? You were not there. <laughs> Do did we say the name of the company here? I mean, it, it's up to you. Uh, well, the company where we worked, that was not my worst job. Was it the one after it? It was, um, it's a toss up, but you know what? I think the, the most lasting memory of like a horrible job was my first job out of college, Ooh. which I'm sure for a lot of people is the case. I worked at a real estate marketing and advertising agency. Exciting. Yes. Very exciting. Um, like I said, height of the recession, 2009 there, it was a 20 person company and they had just laid off eight people. So it was like a tomb. Mm. Then the receptionist slash assistant slash whatever was leaving, and it was my college roommate's mom's company. So I needed a job. I was just like, I'm not getting a journalism job. I, I got to do it. Right. So it was in the city. I was living on at home on Long Island, where I'm from, with my parents, commuting every day, which added a whole other layer of misery. <laughs> and uh, I would get there every day at 9 o'clock, and I had this boss. It was all about the boss. She was so neurotic and nervous that she would make me nervous and I'm not a nervous person (laughs) and she like transmitted her neuroses through her eyes right into my soul (laughs) and I was in just absolute I think I I lasted six months there and that's longer than most people on the show they usually quit the day when they tell our story well I was desperate and it was getting me out of the house I was making all right money but when she told me how to do a to-do list i was like now i'm out (laughs) (laughs) how'd you quit um i i was really afraid she put Um, it on her to-do list (laughs) hey hey meryl want to check out my list um she (laughs) right there right at the end (laughs) i was uh i i felt really guilty about it especially because like i knew the the ceo founder of the company and she was always very nice to me but i was like i think i'm gonna do some traveling 
and not come back. <laughs> <laughs> you said that? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Well, I was kind of thinking of going to China with a friend, but like for a week, not like for months. And I was just like, this is my out. You should have been like, I'm moving there and learning Mandarin. Yeah. So bye. <laughs> yeah, but in this city can be so small, you'd run into her on the street. Yeah. That's, that's how my... Life has gone. I think I actually told her that I wanted to pursue my writing, and she knew me obviously from college, and so she knew I was a journalism student. So she she understood, but you know, probably didn't look great that I didn't last very long. It wasn't your friend's mom who was the neurotic. No, 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 no. no. This was the uh, she was the CFO of the company or something. You know, small companies. Everyone has seven jobs and yeah, uh, a lot of power. (laughs) You just made me think about how I quit a job one time. It's super dramatic. It was like out of a movie. I I just was done. I hated it for like a year, and I went into the boss's office, and I was like. You need to fire me. <laughs> you need to fire me right now. You get someone else in here. You can. I can get my unemployment. I can't stand in here anymore. Please fire me. And he was like, "I'm not going to fire you." And I no, because like, they don't want to pay you that right. employment. So what did I do? I had my res- uh, resignation letter in my back pocket. I was like, "Then fine, I quit." <laughs> and I walked out. Dramatic. The door. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, like "That." But I was like, I tried. I tried to get something else out of it, and I was like, "I'm not getting that. I'm just out. I'm just out." Anyway, so Job Blue, that's a good one. And I think that um, the, you know, the crux of this one for today, which is so interesting for us, is, you know, you've had your jobs, you know, real estate and PR, but what you're doing now. So get us there from even that job or PR and to what you're doing up to this really awesome Washington Post article that I just read that you wrote the other day. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Marissa also gets like her tweets picked up and and published. Right. I mean, which is kind of the mode of how things go yeah, these days, yeah. and that's super brilliant. And I'm always do. like fangirling her. I'm like, look at right. saw. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you got there. Oh boy! So my journey. Um, so I, I worked at this this terrible first job. Ended up in PR just because it. it they, they're always like, oh well, it's it's writing, it's similar, and then I get there and I'm like, nah. Matt, r- write this Matt release, yeah. write this press release. <laughs> I was sold a on bill peanut of butter goods. and jelly. Right. So I worked at this agency, and honestly, it was a good job for a while. I, I liked my coworkers. I, I it wasn't stressful. She's talking about me, yeah, I, specifically Rihanna. Um, <laughs> and it and it wasn't stressful, and it was fine. But then after a while, I just was like, kind of felt myself withering away. So. I didn't know if it was PR or it was just the specific PR job. So I'm like, let me try one more, see how that goes, and then be that be the deciding factor of whether it's the industry or just this company. Right. So I got um, a publicist job at a big media company, very well-known media company. And I was really excited because I was like, I'm going to be in the type of company that I want, right. not doing the role I necessarily want, but like close enough. Meanwhile, that ended up being way more frustrating <laughs> because it's so close yet so far. And um, it turns out I wasn't a very good publicist. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What was it? I I don't like schmoozing. I'm, that, that, that's been a tough one. Yeah. I kind of am like... I won't say that like I take no for an answer, but I, when people are giving you resistance and I can tell it's like not going to work, I'm, I don't push it. And I feel like that really hurts you and me. Right. <laughs> what about the writing? Were you getting a writing satisfaction? No, no, it was. And, and also uh, that was another terrible boss. Um, never work for someone who's the same age as you when you're 25. Ooh. <laughs> or in Josh's case, when you're 42. <laughs> oh, my God. What? I'm going to be 42. Bitch, I'm going to be 60 in like <laughs> 13 years. So, Sorry, uh, if anybody's yeah. casting in Hollywood or not, I meant 27. Yeah. yeah, I had a moment last night where I was like, in 10 years, I'm going to almost be 60. How is that possible? But anyway, Are you? No, you're not. And I'll be 57 in 10 years. In 10 years, you'll be 57? Yeah. It's going to be a long 10 years, so don't worry about it. Well, well, That's the last 10 years. 10, the last 10 did she anyway. looks good, though. Amazing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. You're but welcome. enough about me. Okay. Back to um, So, um, yeah, I, I was bad at that job. I hated my boss. She was uh, Satan. And um, I was laid off, shall we say. I mean, I was technically. Uh, I was excessed. And that was like, okay, this is a sign. Because I was never going to be brave enough to quit and become a writer. So I needed to be pushed into it. Better, what, what better at was this that? age. This was 2012. Um, and where are we now? 19. Okay. Seven years. Yes. So It's um, amazing how many people, everybody out there listening, if you've been listening to every episode, how many people experience this situation. Mm-hmm. They were laid off. They were excessed. They were fired. And then... 
they pursued what it is they wanted to do full fully, right? Is well, that where we're going? Yeah. And when actually on the, I would say, third or fourth anniversary of getting laid off, I wrote this post just um, on my personal Medium account called a happy anniversary of getting fired to me. And it went totally viral and the Huffington Post republished it and wow. it, it got, I forget how many views, but it something crazy. And I got so many messages from people saying like the same thing happened to me or I just got fired and I am like beside myself, but this gave me so much hope. And I'm like, I know it sounds so obnoxious to be like, it's going to be okay. This is a good thing because not having a job sucks when you need money and healthcare. Um, But it really was the best thing that ever happened to me. So from there, I started freelance writing. And it was a lot of just people taking a chance on me. Actually, a kind of a sort of boss from this job that I was accessed from, she we, we stayed on good terms and she connected me to my first freelance opportunity because she, you know, believed in me and that was really nice. And so from there it was just more freelance gigs. Then I became a staff writer at a website called the daily dot. And what were you writing about? Um, so that was an evolution in and of itself as well. I started writing out, writing just like lifestyles some stuff about online dating, um, just kind of like fun, fluffy stuff, but it was a good kind of way to ease into it. Nothing too serious. And then from there it evolved to more stuff about, more complexity about relationships and, and, um, uh, you know, sex and, and, and violence against women and, and women's politics. And so it was sort of like this, it was always sort of in this realm of women's experiences, but it went from like the very light to like the very serious. Um, and I had one more staff writer job. Wait, that Fifty Shades of Grey really helped that sex writing. Exactly. Didn't it? Yes. Sure. Yes. It really, it really What got Fifty the- Shades of Grey? <laughs> When she talked about when oh the, yeah. sorry Come on, wait, wait, on. wake up Fifty Shades in the office <laughs> yes that that's where I got the start <laughs> so um, I was writing about politics and then I was outside of the White House on November eighth two thousand sixteen oh my well, my husband was actually at the Trump victory party oh which he went God. thinking wasn't going to be a victory party. <laughs> equally depressing yes uh, Did, just real quick before you get to that part of the story so these articles were becoming more serious but were you going back to the lighthearted stuff or was it just progressively getting more to like social issues it, was it that was, was what was motivating you yeah the the lighthearted stuff was fun and it it was good to break it up sometimes because writing about really serious things like abortion and sexual assault are it gets it weighs on you mm-hmm. i mean journalists I think there's so many journalists with like very unprocessed trauma from the things that they cover. So um, I was oh, very, I was very lucky to work with a very supportive all female team um, in our section. Uh, I was working at a website called Fusion that got bought by Gawker and the whole thing. But so this was part of the freelance. This uh, was gigs. staff writer. Staff, oh, yeah. this was staff writer. Yeah, I was a staff writer at the Daily Dot, and then I left to go be a staff writer at Fusion. And when did you start your Twitter? Like, when were you, like, how did that evolve along with you? So I started using Twitter, well, I signed up at the end of college um, when it was starting to become a thing, but I didn't really use it much until I started getting really bored at the PR agency. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we could help. (laughs) And it was just like a fun little thing to help me keep up with news and sort of just think creatively and put my thoughts out into a public sphere. Did you have a, because Brianna and I were talking about this a little bit, but did you have a philosophy for like what kind of messaging you were putting out there? Was it just you know, regurgitating thoughts or was it oh, with a focus? Totally stream of consciousness okay. at that time. Yeah. At that time it was really just sort of whatever popped into my head. Um, but it was actually instrumental in helping me get my second publicist job because it was at an internet company. And so they asked me at the end of the interview, what's your favorite thing on the internet right now? And so I think for a second, and then I named some random novelty account from Twitter, like a, a fake parody account about the newsroom remember that show on yes. yes um and they thought it was so interesting <laughs> so i was like wow my twitter use really paid off wow. um and so i i started using it more and more and more and you know i got to the point eventually where i was starting to be known for a certain thing but at the beginning it was very much just like 
throwing things out there. And you're now you're you're tweeting, you're staff writing, you're freelance writing, you're feeling you are a journalist. I mean, yeah, I, I would say now I'm doing more commentary and more op-ed type work. So it's not as much about research work or going out and doing intense interviews. Although my I do still interview people to inform my work. Sure. Um, but I think I I'm coming from a very partisan perspective, so I'm like a democratic commentator um, because um, I, I worked on a big elections project last year and so I kind of couldn't escape it at that point sure. and I don't want to. And your Crush the Midterms, that's up for an award, right? Something it, It's up for a Webby award, Webby. yeah. yeah. So the Webby cool. started um, a number of years back just for, I think, just for Twitter or like maybe just for Twitter and Facebook and now it's expanded into websites and uh, advertising. So it's become this fairly you know well known and respected media thing so uh we're in third place right now say it and, say yeah, it again or what the crush the midterms was oh yes. crush the midterms dot dot org org yes okay um so crush the midterms um was a, a project at my current job and it was an online platform where people would go to the website and answer a few questions about themselves uh for example what issues are important to you how much time are you free per week to volunteer? How much money can you spare to donate? And what kinds of skills could you offer a campaign? And then we calculated a personalized plan based on where you live for where you should be volunteering and where you should be donating to make sure that we won big in November for the Democrats. And and is it based on an algorithm or is it something that people are actually looking we, at info and we programmed the whole thing so we we built it from scratch and we did a lot of research about you know say you care about gun control here are the groups that you should be volunteering with say you care about voting rights here's who you should volunteer with and oh you live in Des Moines Iowa these are the competitive races within 20 miles of you and you should be helping them did well, you get um, I wanted to oh. make sure people vote because you're in third place right now yes it's the webbies yes the webbies okay. um, and anybody can vote anybody can vote i voted thank you now thank did you. you get my um <clears throat> submission today and do you have my plan ready for uh crushed midterms well the midterms passed oh. yeah <laughs> Josh, where are you? Well, maybe like well, are maybe you in it's the for, same room? no stop. It's for the next election. I'm sure you're going to tap back into that. I right? hope so. We, we're still figuring out what's coming next for 2020, but um, so you wouldn't change the it would it would be a connection to that, right? Same kind of idea, but call it something else. Yeah, maybe crush 2020. Um, so or, use my. Can you use my submission then for crush 2020? I'll, I'll keep it. Yeah, look into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Marissa, so go back because well, you have such an active voice on Twitter. Uh -huh. I just. And I've, I've seen, like, people of notoriety have commented or retweeted you. What has been or who has been the most, like, holy shit, I can't believe that person, like, is responding to my voice or retweeting something I said? Oh, hmm. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda okay, retweeted me. You win. You win. <laughs> you win. You wow. win. But as far as the most exciting for tweeting my work, um, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Wow. Out of town. She tweeted Crush the Midterms. That and is amazing. Cool. I lost my whole mind. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That is. Do you I ever got... get messages from, from these kinds of big, you know, people who retweet? Do they ever give like you a DM? Like, has Biden sent you a DM saying, <laughs> bitch, like, tone it down? I think he should know better because I would put him on blast in yes. one second. <laughs> I'm really, I, I, look, I loved Joe Biden. Like, yeah. I was all for him in the last election. I wish he would have run. I think the world would be a different place. I I, I am aligned with much of what you said, but we won't get too deep well, into we, politics. We can, I want to get into that article at some point, because I did sure. read it today, the Washington Post one. That is that your first Washington Post? It is, Good yes. You. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, but I do want to take you back to your part of the story, because we jumped around. Uh, November 8th, 2016, oh, yeah, you're, you're at, at the, the White, White House. House. Sorry. Yes. And um, a dark cloud settled over the country. <laughs> um, it was 
technically it was November 9th because it was the wee hours of the morning and I was in reporter mode. I was interviewing people on Facebook Live outside the White House and just sort of in shock. I don't even remember what I said. Um, and then a week later, uh, they laid off my entire section of my website. Oh, my God. We were about to launch, um, kind of relaunch our section as this really expansive gender and sexuality section. And we, we'd been working on it for a year. Um, and this was Daily Dot? This was Fusion. 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 Um, but they had recently purchased Gawker Media. And they were like, oh, there's enough women writing here. Uh, so they... Yeah, they laid off a lot of people, but it included our entire section. Wow, that was like a double kick in the head. November 2016 was, uh, yeah. Was what was their start. reason? They um, Gawker Media had a women's site, Jezebel, and instead of kind of combining our forces, they were just like, oh, those ladies will be fine. That's enough. Didn't Gawker end up disappearing yeah. too? Yeah, well, so they bought Gawker Media, then Gawker.com had to dissolve because of, of all the lawsuits, lawsuits so right. it became Gizmodo Media, and then Gizmodo Media was just sold again, so, the, so I could mess. talk for hours about the media industry alone, but it's it's not okay. So where did you land? What did you do so, next? So um, then another existential crisis. Um, it was just like, I don't, how can I keep going back into jobs and then get getting laid off? Because I was... You're with the right people. <laughs> and and all my friends in media who were brilliant and talented, at, at any given moment, one of us was getting laid off. And I was like, this cycle is insidious. I can't keep doing this to myself. It's too stressful. Um, so I took some time to think about it. I went to the Women's March in uh, January 2017. And it was a very transformative experience for me because I remember looking around the crowd in D.C. and I, I went with my mom and um, I just couldn't believe the amount of people there. But I also couldn't help but think, what's going to happen after today? Where are all these people going to end up? We right. need to harness this energy because if we'd had this energy in November, maybe things would have been different. Yeah, why is it happening after Yeah, the fact, but right? we have it now. Well, because so we, we got people got really comfortable. Yeah. We were told she had it in the bag. and We got you know. way too complacent. Yeah. And so people were getting out of their comfort zone. And so I said, we need to keep going with this. So I started a newsletter called Resistible, and it was about, um, it just had links to protests going on around the country in all, right. all corners of the country, and um, it, it got, you know, 4,000 subscribers within like a week, and wow. <laughs> that's amazing. So people were obviously hungry for it, kept doing that, and then a few months later, um, I was approached by someone who knew me from Twitter, I'd never met him before, he said, my former colleague is looking for someone to, to run this uh, activism chat bot project at this company called Purpose. And uh, would you like to meet with him? And I met with him and uh, I was a contractor for a few months and then I was brought on full time as a director. Good for you. That's amazing. I'm so, so proud seems, of it you. Seems like I really am. That's and I like, just so met great. you, but I'm very proud of you too. <laughs> Thank you. Both saying that for humor, but also sincerely. <laughs> but it just seems like even since high school, you're, you're saying you just always seem to have kind of your finger on the pulse of, of what needs to be done. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty good at looking forward, and but also sizing up what's going on right now and what we need to do in this present moment, because I think a lot of it is like, well, fix it later. Like, it will resolve itself. And it's like, you know, you need to seize the day. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I'm really concerned about. Do you think you need to be that kind of thinker to have that kind of independent success? Or is it, you know, is it necessary to be that kind of forward, I think that, insightful person? I think success comes in so many forms i like so much of what's written about leadership and becoming like a boss bitch and i, I can't stand all that stuff because no. everyone's so different i am not a type a personality i am the chillest person i am not neurotic and i've i've had my downfalls but i think i'm doing pretty well <laughs> all things considered and i did it my own way i i realized at a certain point that like i'm not going to um, subscribe to someone else's version of what it means to be successful, what it means to be a boss. You know, this is, I see what's in front of me. A lot of people are like, why do you use Twitter so much? It's so, so, and I'm like, it's, it's getting me to the next step. I mean, that's how I ended yeah. up getting this piece in the Washington Post. They reached out to me. They did. Yeah. They, I was wondering. They reached out to you to well, do something Well, because you've been them. very vocal on the Joe Biden stuff. So they, yes. is it, that's why. Give, yeah. us a, give us a quick one-two on what the article was and, and why it was commissioned and whatnot. Sure. So um, the story was um, about um, the whole controversy with Joe Biden, him um, you know, inappropriately touching people, and the 
people have their own ideas about what that means and how how important that is but it was like the the premise of the story was that um we can do better than that as Democrats and we need to be the moral leaders and we can't have this sort of moral relativism with the Republican party that, well, it's not as bad as Trump. And uh, if, and if we don't choose Biden, then we're never ever going to have a chance of winning because I just completely reject that premise. It's far too early and it's anyone's ballgame at this point. And, and he hasn't even announced. He like, hasn't even announced. And they're questioning if he even is going to at this point. And it's all about re- name recognition right now. It's people know who Joe Biden is and he is not our savior. He's the past. I like in the article how you you mention all of those things basically that he is um he's not even announced right and right now it's this kind of what did they call the invisible primary yes so you said yes so it's this like the people who could be really progressive thinkers are still gearing up and getting their voice out there and their name out there and and joe biden is just the most recognizable name yes so i thought that was super interesting uh reporting and analysis i do have one question though I'm gonna sure. put your feet to the fire play devil's advocate for a second sure. right what if he ends up declaring and he ends up being the best candidate as far as candidates go, right? Yes. And that kind of moral low ground is the only way to fight Trump, right? Now, I'm not condoning what he did, but kind of the same way that the Trump supporters are like, we don't care, mm-hmm. right? Is that something that the Democrats would have to do if they hope to win? Kind of look at Biden and go, we don't care as terrible or as inappropriate as things he may have done? Well, I can only speak for myself. Mm -hmm. I would vote for him, (laughs) of course, (laughs) given that choice. Um, It would be hard for me to enthusiastically canvas for him, as I did in 2018 for a number of candidates, spending my weekends knocking doors and and my free time and and donating money. God bless you. (laughs) I mean, for someone, when you said earlier about PR, like getting a no and like, Knocking on someone's door, I think, would be even scarier because I'd right. be afraid they'd be like, get the hell off my property. Right. But I mean, it's something that you as someone who is this, you are this torch holder. Well, yeah, because well, this is where your true passion is. It is. Like, and, and calling I, someone about peanut butter. Not, not my passion. Not your passion. <laughs> and and uh, I'll just say a week after Election Day 2018, I had brain surgery. <laughs> Stop it. Wait, real brain surgery? Mm-hmm. Real there's brain there's surgery. no fake brain Wait, surgery. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, I had a, a, a pituitary tumor removed a week after. What? Why are we... It's 40 minutes into the podcast. Why are we because just talking about, about this? Because it's not about our health. Still, yeah. that's incredible. Well, what year was that? 18. Um, it was uh, five months ago. Are you okay? Um, You know, working on it, getting there. Is it, is it, was it, where is that? Is it the back of your head? It's right head? in the middle of your head, and they can go through your nose. So they didn't even have to cut my head open. But I can still but say I have out, brain surgery. Right? You were out, Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I was yeah. in the hospital, and I was out of work for a, a number of weeks. And Did it... Did it affect any functions, brain thinking, Sorry typing? No, stop, talk, answer. Functions? Uh, my brain function? No, no, it didn't, luckily. Any, any like, phys- were you Yeah, yeah, I was having, um, no, I, no, no, I wasn't really physically incapacitated. I mean, I got some, like, really brutal migraines that lasted, like, eight hours, and it was not great. I have another podcast you should go on yes. that a friend is doing called Inside You, uh-huh. right, which is about this. Like, people, it's usually comedians. If, our, if our podcast sounds dirty, that's <laughs> Yeah, oh, it is. It's comedians talking about like who have or who go through like serious medical issues. I would, you know? I would love to. I right. love talking. About that's this. crazy, <laughs> but uh, that's also a crazy story. And it's and it is. You know, I, I only bring up the you know the kind of devil's advocate situation there because you're going to be the person who's going to write more articles that say here's how we rationalize this if this becomes the case because you're right you were saying about Bur- he's already higher on the list than Bernie and Bernie's already declared right so what do we do if he's the only way to fight a Trump type person what's the where's the moral high ground I think or... and for me that kind of goes back to dealing w- with what's happening right now and I'm not as interested in in talking about the hypotheticals and what ifs because I don't think that the chances that that's going to be the scenario are very high at okay. this point interesting all right well we should go into the game because wait real quick though because I want to throw this out what is your Twitter handle my Twitter handle is my just my name it's Marissa Cabas so M-A-R-I-S-A K-A-B-A-S. Right. So write that down as you're listening or driving, pull over. All right. And now we're going to go to our <laughs> favorite our... portion of the podcast, yes, the game to time. Our game. 
So um, I'm just going to throw out some topics. Um, I didn't name this game, and I usually do. Shame. Shame on me. Call it Pertipal. Uh, no. Anyway. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway. She yeah. hates my humor. No, I don't hate it. It's just stupid. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so Join I'm going to throw out a topic. And I was going to have you just say the first word, but since you are a Twitterer, mm -hmm. um, give me uh, your response in a tweet. Okay. 140 characters or less. Okay. Ooh. Ready? I really hope someone's at home counting all the characters <laughs> in my response. Just don't go long winded. <laughs> all right. The New York City subway. Trash. Okay. That's <laughs> one word. One word. All right. No, no. Okay. I can do better. I can do better. Um, are we going to fix it or are we going to live like this forever? Okay. Twitter. Uh cesspool but um has some redeeming qualities and i wanted to ask you like do you get a lot of nasty like people coming at you on twitter yeah that, yeah that's gonna be hard that's yeah. gonna be hard but but someone asked me the other day like should, they were deciding whether they should get into a twitter fight um asking me what i thought and i said only you can decide if you want to get into a twitter fight yeah <laughs> i've had some some, oh, some so now you're a twitter priest yeah. over here. <laughs> no i've had some meg meg mega what is Meg? What is it? Mega? Maga? 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 Yeah, whatever. Magma? Um, <laughs> anyway, I had some come at me from some things I, and I just ignored them. Oh, I yeah. looked at their profile and I was like, this is never going to go anywhere. Nope. And I just am not going to engage. I used to, I used to, I had something that went a little viral and uh, I used to, people would write comments and I would just go, thanks so much. Hey, share this with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, mid century furniture. You can tell I read your Twitter. You do. Um, I don't think people actually know what mid-century furniture I is. I don't. What is it? What is it? Um, it's a certain style, but everyone on Craigslist thinks they're selling mid-century, and therefore they can charge $500 for a little side table. And it's I just moved, so I'm like deep in the... So you're annoyed by the misrepresentation of mid-century furniture. And just furniture. like their general excitement about their mid-century <laughs> furniture. Like, I'm not impressed because everyone is selling mid-century if you were like art deco or like i don't know like colonial <laughs> it might be a little or, more interesting or name the year as opposed to like mid-century because now we're getting away from right, that like, what century, century? right now. i, I want to reply to all of them what century right. well, what decade because like 50 years ago is well, almost like, like is the that, 60s is that early like the 70s? 70s like yeah. what are we talking about all right the 2020 election it's going to be a long road so drink water exercise stay alert and uh and ignore the misogyny. Yeah. Then, well, my next one, news coverage of female candidates. <sighs> we learned nothing from 2016. No. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches without Frozen. The crust. Frozen. Oh, they're so good, by the way. Have you ever had them? Uh, we worked on Uncrustables. Yes. Oh, yes. So good. I love them. <laughs> um, Uncrustables do not get their due. They are a delicious snack, especially if you enjoy smoking. I was going to tell you, we did a Twitter what were those Twitter Twitter party? A Twitter party, and everybody on there was like, "Dude, we're so stoked!" <laughs> or These drunk? Are the like best. seriously? I told Ooh. my coworker about them the other day, and she has a three-year-old, and she's very into healthy eating, and she was horrified by this concept. Yeah. and she's foreign. She's Ella has well, never what's had funny one is my them. my kids are always like, "Cut the crusts off," and I'm like, "Let's go," because that's the best part. Is the I, call, I was describing it to her as a samosa filled with peanut butter and jelly <laughs> <laughs> and frozen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good. Notre Dame. Really sad, but I didn't realize so many people had so many feelings about it. Um, yeah. Well, and I love Whitney <laughs> Cummings, the comedian who said it's become a, a people just posting vacation pictures. Yeah. In front of Someone was like, get ready for everyone you know, study abroad pictures in yeah. Paris. Well, my here's my thing. Like, yes, it's sad. You don't like to lose architecture. But all this money that's been put forth when Flint still doesn't have clean water. Like $700 million have already been donated. Yeah, when you think of the- 700 million? Yeah, when you think of the people that rebuild could, the whole thing twice. But people could be fed. People yeah. could, yes. like, the things that could be resolved. And not for nothing, we're talking about the Catholic Church, who, in the book I'm reading, was laundering money for the mafia back the in the Catholic day. The Catholic Church has enough money to rebuild their own yes. structures. yes. And feed Flint or change their water. Ch fix the water. And give you and, a job. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not, we're not getting feed, a job from them now. But. Feed hungry Catholics. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or pay off all the kids. All but, the things. Yes. So, all right. Well, that is all for the game. Do you have any other social handles you want to put out there? 
No, Twitter is my main thing. Twitter's your yeah. Thing. And that's how do we find that article? Just on your Twitter? Um, it's actually my pinned tweet right now, okay. so it's easy to find. But if you the PR, also... her PR skills are, are working for her. <laughs> but if you Google my name in Washington Post, and uh, hopefully I'll have something else in there soon. What's your la- is it is that is your last name Polish? What is that? No, it is Lithuanian. Lithuanian. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, that's great. And uh, we got We have another question. One last question for you that we that oh, we yes. like to do before we leave. Go. Where do you see yourself in five years? The worst question that HR HR. will ever ask, but we're human resources, so we have to ask it. Still on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing you know. The only thing. Wait, what what are your feelings on the whole TED Talk the other day with the guy that runs Twitter? Jack Dorsey? Yeah. Oh, God. He's just awful. He really is. I, I, my We're going to get kicked off Twitter now. <laughs> he gets uglier as Twitter gets worse, <laughs> is my hypothesis. Do, do a, a photo comparison. Like, like physically yes, uglier? Yes, because as it becomes more of a cesspool and as he allows white supremacists to flourish... He rots from the inside. So is he a known white supremacist? What is his... No, he just is... He doesn't care. He just lets it happen because it's... uh, No, all press is good press. What if Twitter disappears for one reason or another? What do you do? What's your five years? What's your fallback social handle? Your fallback (laughs) social media? Just keep writing? Um, Just keep writing. um, Keep doing civic engagement and making sure that the right people win elections. I have to say Twitter... I mean... I got to a point Facebook would depress me when I'd go on it, but Twitter sometimes too. I'm just like, oh my god, oh, the world awful. is on fire. This I, is awful. I deleted my Facebook actually. You did, did you? Yeah, yeah. So I'll follow you on Twitter and Instagram. I, well, my thing for the jobs my blow, <laughs> for the jobs blow um, Twitter handle, I go through and just comment on people like, how does that person have a job? How does that person <laughs> like? That's my thing. Can I follow you on LinkedIn too? You can. It's not very interesting. I don't care. I'm following you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> engage, 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 engage. Well, we just want to say thank you so yes, much for coming out. thank you so much for being here. Congrats again on the Washington Post article. Keep thank writing. You. Keep putting your voice out there. Keep leading the way. Keep coming up with more websites that I'm going to sign up for that are already past dated. We're going to make you a plan in 2020. Oh, and my God. And she's going to get me a job. Look, she's solving all the problems. <laughs> you can use me as, like, as a poster boy. Like, this guy signed up two years too late. <laughs> and <laughs> two years you? too early. <laughs> yeah. I also want to say uh, to our listeners out there, the one point that really stood out for me is that your dream job it can be a moving target, and it should be. It shouldn't just be a destination that you get to. Uh, if you've heard that phrase before, it's a journey, not a destination. Yeah. I like that you pointed that out, so thank um, you for that. I did a career day, just to end on this, um, in middle school classroom last year, and I told the kids, um, I, I went around and asked them, what's your dream job? And they say, you know, doctor, basketball player, astronaut. And I said, what if I told you that your dream job may not even exist yet? And so I just wanted them to think about the fact that it's n- nothing is concrete, everything is changing, and that they should just keep dreaming. And then you're like, future is female. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It goes back to what Al said about like you know quality of life, and you know your job may just present itself, and then that becomes your dream job. So yeah, anyway. no job has ever really presented itself for me. I'm sorry. It's just us. We're the <laughs> we're the pathetic God. people that are highlighting the people who find their way. Yeah. Uh, we we thank you so much. Thank yeah, you so, so much. For so good out. to see you. So good to see you. Thank you for having me. And please uh, don't forget to review, subscribe, share this. Uh, Rate us on all the sites. It really does help. We really do appreciate it. Uh, don't forget our social media handles. At Jazz Blow Podcast. Right. And I'm uh, at Mr. Josh Hyman on IG and everything, actually. We're almost but, at 100 uh, Twitter followers. Are we really? Well, <laughs> I would love some more IG followers. My Twitter is pathetic, but you can follow me there if you want. I'll start tweeting eventually more and uh, hopefully be as big as Marissa. Not. And uh, Brianna is going to finally tell us what her – she talked to me about it. She's going to tell us publicly in the public spectrum on the on the podcast what her social media handle is at Travis Blow Podcast. Come on, just say it. Let no, me... this is so old. No it's at at. Josh, we don't even have a hundred followers on Twitter. No yeah, one's trying to follow me. Yeah, but think about how many me. people want to follow you and then go to Twitter from okay, there. Let's... All right, fine. All right, thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next time, Marissa. You're the best. Bye. 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 I'm too fly for my suit and tie, and I'd rather die than work nine to five. And I'm too fly for my suit and tie And I'd rather die than work 9 to 5 And that's why I don't want to go to work I just want to chill and play all day Look him dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you work